0: Good morning. Uh, welcome, everyone, to the Ag Market Network Monthly Cotton Teleconference. We want to th- first thank our sponsor that makes this possible, Bayer, Bayer Crop Science. We appreciate what they've always done for us. Just be aware that next uh, week, on Friday the 21st, we'll be doing our annual New York Cotton Market Roundtable uh, hosted by ICE, It'll take place at the New York Stock Exchange. Joe Nicosia will be our guest speaker joining our our cotton panel, uh, and it'll be live video on our website and on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, Leading our discussion today is Dr. O.A. Cleveland. O.A., thanks for being with us and kicking us off today.
1: Well, Pat, thank you very much. I am still trying to formulate my thoughts about yesterday's report as well as my thoughts about the market, so. I'll be extremely pleased when I finish this so I'll know what I think. Uh, But uh, that's not so unusual for me. Let's look at this two different – take two approaches to this. First, let's talk about the current marketing year, which only has about three weeks left, the 2016-17 marketing season, and just look and see what USDA did with those changes. Those, Those changes were particularly small, if I may, in general. Uh, looking at the United States, they dropped the, uh, uh, they, they, they failed to make any change in exports. That was the number one expectation that we thought we would uh, see. Uh, so, as a consequence, they basically just filtered through uh, the, the past month's report through the U.S. system and left everything unchanged. The biggest surprise, if we want to use that word, was that USDA did not modify export sales. Here we have four and a half reporting weeks left from uh, from USDA for export sales. Uh, they we only need to export some seven hundred thousand bales to, to 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 make the the USDA estimate of and. Uh, but, we are, but we've we been exporting in the neighborhood of about, over that time period, we would anticipate about a million bales, a million point two bales that would be exported. So I would, uh, well, I personally anticipated USDA would increase the export level. Uh, I have to say I'm not surprised. USDA is terribly slow in adjusting exports, even as we get close to the end of the year. They're set, sitting at 14.5 million bales. Would not be surprised by everything every time, but by by the time everything is said and done, that we actually don't export four hundred thousand bales. More than that, we have an outstanding chance, in other words, then to export fourteen point seven million bales this year. Uh, So that basically is, and that would take our carryover then down to 3 million bales instead of the current US, USDA estimate of 3.0, 3.2 million bales. Uh, looking on the world scene, basically the world scene, uh, USDA increased the Indian production a half a million bales, which was a little surprising to me, particularly given that India still remains in the import market, importing from the United States on so somewhat of a quantity Basis. So, as that uh, that just surprised me, that they increased that size, which brought through an increase in uh, carryover uh, into uh, India. It also showed that uh, Indian carryout basically was higher. So, bottom line with respect to old crop, USDA in, uh, increased carryout uh, of the ending year carryout 1 million bales. They took that half million bale increase in India. Found uh, a pittance of changes mostly from the production side here, there, and yonder, uh, and came up with a round number of a million bale increase in cherry over. That was a little bit of surprise to me, I would say. I I questioned that. Now let's skip to or jump to the current or the marketing season that's getting ready to, to enhance the 2017 crop year as well as the 2017 18 marketing season, which will begin August 1. Uh, as I indicated, the the increase in, in, in Indian carryover from the last year's crops, the house cleaning, so to speak, that USDA does, that, that shot up world-ending carryover for the end of this coming season. Another million bales shot it back up to round numbers, about 89 million. I think most people have it a little bit less than that. They did, in the United States, they did lower the anticipated crop size this year from 19.2 million bales down to 19 on the basis of about 175,000-acre decline or shortage of what uh, the March planning intentions showed. So we've got a little bit less than 200,000 acres that we're working with uh, based on the March intentions. So they took that as well as some abandonment uh, data in Texas and said, well let's reduce the crop size this coming season by two hundred thousand bales. Of course that's of all the numbers, that's the number that's more fluid than any others any other number because we've got to we'll have to watch this crop size. It's so early it's still in the crop year and we just have to pay attention to that. They did not change US exports. I did not they left them at thirteen point five million bales. I anticipated or felt that there would be no change there. But that's another number that we have to play, pay very much attention to. Export sales of U.S. are the third highest in 30 years. Uh, sales are just basically flying out the door. We are, have oversold current inventory levels by about 1.2, 1.3 million, um, uh, uh, bales so that the, the, The new crop, the crop that's coming into harvest in October, November, there's considerable pressure on that crop to get out of the field, to get bagging ties around it and get on a boat for export because, as I say, it's uh, a million and a quarter or better of those bales are already promised somewhere. With the idea in mind, and giving my analysis, that basically textile mills are so unprepared for the fourth quarter of 2017 that they already need that cotton that we're yet to to, to gin. The other changes that I noticed in particular are lack of changes that I didn't see. USDA left Australian production at 4.8 million bales. I would have anticipated that to be down to about 4.3 million bales, a half million bales lower than where it is now. Uh, The Brazilian crop... uh, uh left, left the same. The Indian crop, uh, as they did with uh, the 2016-17 season, uh, and the uh, the old marketing year increased at a half a million bales, as we discussed. They increased the Indian crop for this coming season. The crop is in the ground in India now. They increased that one million bales on the basis of the favorable monsoon that they are reporting in india again as I did not realize it was quite that favorable but uh but so be it the uh, uh the that took indian carry over up to round number about 14 million bales and uh, that becomes questionable to me with the, the fact that india still has become a fairly a reasonably active adult, guard from saying the word aggressive, but they've been a reasonably active uh, buyer of U.S. cotton this season and as late as last week in the export market. So that just made me wonder. But the bottom line, we get into it see that USDA did increase carryover uh, in this report of about one million bales, and uh, in round numbers, basically that did come through the Change in 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 beginning stocks because they increase beginning stocks about one million bales. So that's where we are. We've got a lot to talk about. In my opinion, I think that uh, as, as I look at the market, the number of things that we're seeing right now, and if I, Nate Pat, I'm just going to throw these out real quick so we can get them as we talk about the the report. Uh, report. I think not only is the U.S. crop oversold. But I would say that the Australian crop is considerably oversold right now, and they did not get the yields and the quality they anticipated. So I think we've got two crops that are out there that are oversold and will continue to pressure this market. I think commodities in general are very oversold, so that will come back to help the cotton market as we move through this process. The big problem I see is there just not any specs anywhere in the market. They're out, and they're going to have to come back in. We're beginning to see that uh, the unfixed call sales for 2017-18 and also even stretching out to 2018-2019 begin to surge, so that will light some fire under the market as we move forward. And my idea is, as I've said, for we've got about three years probably of very good cotton demand uh, as we move forward. That being said, my final sentence will be we just have to note that This month, ICAC told us that we should expect the lowest cotton prices we've seen in nine years. Uh, I'm a lot more optimistic than that, but you guys direct me, please. (laughs) Any comments from our group?
0: Any observations uh, from the report anyone else had? no i i
2: uh, I'm just surprised the u s d a didn't raise exports a little bit for this year. I mean, you don't have to ship a whole lot to get up to fourteen five and uh you know unless I guess they're able to see out four four weeks and four days in advance um they've already got their numbers in um so i I'm not sure uh either <laughs> that or we're just gonna have a really large carryover, and that'll only add to the uh the commitments for 2017, Um, because you don't see any cancellations out there from from any customers. It's just a matter of getting stuff out out of the barn uh, and uh, onto a boat. And and I don't know what the warehouse congestion situation is. It shouldn't be too congested right now. Um, But uh, I I guess 4.5% is 4.5%.
3: I was a little surprised that USDA didn't increase that as well. I uh, I was looking for at least a couple hundred thousand bales in that. Uh, Always point about being, you know, we just ship this stuff like crazy and there's no reason to think because we are seeing these mills uh, really clamoring for this quality cotton and they need it right now. I'm a little surprised. I don't know what USDA saw that clearly the three of us didn't see uh, to keep those exports down, I,
4: I was very surprised about that actually. Yeah, and I'll I'll chime in me too. I mean, even just an incremental couple hundred thousand bale adjustment to to reflect the rip and pace of things, um, I, I was expecting to see you know some some movement in that number. On the other hand, that you know I was not surprised. A lot of people in the Twitterverse were talking about uh, how could how could they not. Uh, take a whack out of production or tinker with the um, abandonment number more than they did. And, and that doesn't surprise me at all that they would just kind of sit and wait for the August and September uh, field-proven uh, field yield you know, data to come in. And until then, I didn't really expect to see
1: them to act on that, and they didn't. Well, based on the latest numbers, well, we only need to ship about 125,000 bales a week now uh to or maybe 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 hundred and fifty to reach the to reach the current u s d a number and that's just that's the we that's a very low number and it suggests that u s d a feels that shipments are getting ready to just fall off the boat so to speak but uh that's not been the case the past several years at the same time I would say that for the past several years u s d a has been deplorably slow in catching up to the actual data and that uh, they have some reason for doing that I guess I'd like to wish that we could be able, that we would have, could could have knowledge of why they're so slow doing that but uh, uh, that's certainly their call and uh, we live with it
0: Let me mention the exports that came out here just a little while ago for everybody to see uh, old crop sales 13,000 Uh, Running bales, it's marketing year low. Uh, We've got uh, new crop sales for 2017-18, net sales of 152,600 running bales. China took 62,100. Bangladesh took 25,100. Vietnam took 21,100. And then shipments of 195,300. So I just wanted to let you all see that.
3: And seven thousand bales shipped to Pima as well. We tend to forget that sometimes, but that puts us over two hundred thousand, and uh, just for this week. And remember, this is the July Fourth week, so we would expect it to have seen the shipments to be somewhat lower just because of that holiday.
2: So I, I think and sales is, as well, because everybody's correct. gone. You know, correct? To absolutely
3: right. So I, I actually see this as a very good number. You're talking about marketing year low. That's right. But I, I think it's a pretty good number, quite honestly.
1: Well, and that's why I make the comment. You take that 7 to seventy—is what uh, what we need to make the USDA number. You subtract the two hundred and ten or two hundred and five. So we uh, that we ship this week. So we have three and a half weeks left, and uh, only a half million bales that need to be shipped out. A little over one hundred twenty-five, one hundred thirty-five thousand bales a week, and uh, if that's all we ship out, we would talk in terms of market. Well, that's not literally correct, but uh, it, it, we would start talking about very weak shipments. But anyway, this time of year, uh, actually throughout much of the year, USB is very slow to make its changes in in exports. But this time of year, they just seem to wait until the, everything's said and done, and then they then they adjust their numbers. They're not so concerned with their reporting, what's going on.
0: Yeah. Oh, wait, what do you hear about
1: heat? Affecting cotton in China. Well, I, everything I have seen the last couple of weeks, there have been uh, just uh, just some uh, massive heat problems with the crop is pollinating there. And as a consequence, it's affecting the pollination in China. And we need to be concerned that the Chinese crop is going to come back to us because of that. That the Chinese crop is going to come back to us, meaning it's, it's, it's slipping, it's, it's getting smaller and smaller. Go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: Okay, I'm just going to ask John what uh, the latest talk of West Texas is. We hear about a lot of fell cotton. We hear about improvements from the rains over the last month. What What do you hear? Yeah. Well, I I hear all of that. It uh,
4: depends on who you're who you're talking to. Um, you know, it's it's typical that uh, you know, unless you have widespread drought to begin with, which fortunately <laughs> we didn't. It's typical that here in the midsummer you'd be a, have kind of a patchy situation because the rain events come you know it rains under this cloud not under this cloud. This year we had we had the moisture starting off. We had lots of acres planted. It was a drying pattern in the planting period. We got that week of extreme heat week plus. Then we start got the first rain event. Then we got another rain event with hail and another rain event with hail. So you know i think it's it's just a setup for a, a very patchy uncertain um an analyst's nightmare to uh to try to size this up um and i don't know what else to say about it you know if when you hear anecdotal reports and talk to people they say well on this side of the road it looks like crap and on this side of the road it looks pretty strong so uh, you know how that aggregates up uh, remains to be seen um, but it i think we have a good solid month of of weather market, weather premium, and an opportunity for what OA was saying needed to happen or could happen if the specs want to rally around something and give us a little bit more upward volatility. We have the time period to do that right now, uh, There's and there still is time you know, for that to happen um, around just the uncertainties of what the production outcome
1: will be.
3: Well John looking at the situation uh, this just the situation in, in Texas now do you uh, we had a, a great year last year I, i'm wondering are we not seeing a kind of a typical year right now for this point of, in the season or is this atypical i mean i, I just it, it seems like this is not uncommon this time of the year am i am i missing the mark there how how would you describe that uh,
4: i this is, this is a a fairly typical situation. If you're talking about what's the yield potential, is it average or or better or worse?
3: Um, Yeah, yeah, kind of all of the above. I was was sort of thinking about weather patterns are are, are typically what we – I think they're typically what we see. That's what I was asking you. And so it's kind of hard to make an assessment on yield other than average kind of, you know, we need time to – Make a better assessment. I think. Let me, let
4: let me say th- this: the, the moisture situation going into the West Texas planting season, the moisture situation going in, I'd say, was better than average. Catching a couple widespread rain events in June is is better than average, but I think I'm a little bit colored by the recent drought <laughs> history. So it's you know it's better than that. We took you know good widespread rains, but with it came some hail hail damage, which you know you hear descriptions of that that make you wonder. Um, but but the moisture situation has been, I, I would say, good um, where it's happened. Uh, but there was some of that crop was damaged up until the point that that moisture came. So and some of it had already been adjusted out. I mean I've I've heard stories of that um, prior to that first rain. Um, so so how it's all going to shake out just you know really remains to be seen. Uh, and the August report probably won't. Uh, you know, catch all that because you've still got late-planted stuff that uh, will still be fruiting, and so you have to come back in September and later and see what's, you know, what's still there. Thank you. So, what would be your
2: crop estimate for Texas right now, John? You toss all that stuff in the blender, and yeah, you come yeah. up with what kind of number...
1: <laughs> you
4: know, I didn't. I didn't calculate a number because I was being lazy and waiting. Um, uh, I hesitate to throw one out just because I hadn't done the math prior to I hadn't done my homework prior to this. Uh, prior to this Okay. Um, I don't know. Well, I'm. Let me just say that, that you could, I know that
1: I think you could be surprised in either direction.
4: <laughs> okay. It's the kind of year you could be surprised in either direction, legitimately.
1: Kip, what are you and Gerald looking at out there? Out, at, out there being West, out there being Texas and Oklahoma. If you'll share those numbers,
2: well, Oklahoma's in really good shape. Uh, it, I think Oklahoma will be seven hundred thousand bales. It, heck, it might even be closer. It'd be seven hundred thousand bales plus. <clears throat> will it get you to eight hundred thousand? I don't know about that. But let's say seven to seven fifty. And Texas right now is uh, I'm carrying at about six point six five, man, um, eh, maybe six point seven. I don't, I don't know that you can get to seven million bales right now.
3: I don't have those numbers exact in front of me, but I'm I'm kind of in the same ballpark with Gerald. I'm uh, I, I heard what John said a moment ago. I'm sort of maybe I'm a bit biased by the. The good moisture profile we came in with, and looking at what I think is a typical kind of season, I'm more inclined to look at the higher end rather than the lower end. I think these seed, uh, these cotton seed varieties, are doing much better than we've seen in the past. So that again biases me to a little higher yield. But uh, to John's point, I mean, any number we have right now is subject to very very severe change when we look out here at the August-September period. And that's when that crops really, really made is that August, August, September. So right now I'm looking at sort of a, my bias is higher rather than lower. So mm, I'm, I'm kind of looking for a pretty good crop out there right now.
1: It's a great comment you made, at least it resonates with me about the market profile. I think historically, uh, go out on a limb and say, what's the number one factor affecting crop size? And that would be the moisture profile. If that's there now, and, and we know it is. So uh, you you got to look for a strong crop. I do get a little concerned given the iffy, the on-off start that the crop had about this high-pressure front that's settled over West Texas now and, and, and what that could do. But uh, it, it does have the moisture down deep if it can just get down to it. All right, oh wait! Hey, the the
2: the the, the mid south crop is uh, in pretty
1: good shape in general. It's in good shape. I remember nineteen ninety one. I brought a guy down here and went through the crop with him on the week the week of July the fourth. This same week, basically, <laughs> basically and uh, we just wrote the crop off. Uh, it, it was uh, about halfway up the leg, and if the weeds were that high. It was wet. You couldn't get in any place. And it turned out to be the highest yield on record at the time. So don't write a crop off. We get, we continue to get rains all over the state, heavy rains, good rains. We're just awfully wet. Uh, the temperatures have been a little bit on the low side, but they're still right at 70 degrees at night, so that's perfect cotton-growing weather. Uh, so I think we have to think in terms of a better-than-average yield, at least uh, this early in the game. But back to something else Kip said, uh, normal, typical weather. And I guess as I look at it, Kip, I don't know you correct me, normal, typical, crazy weather. It's just all (laughs) over the cotton-growing regions. it just seems to be totally crazy. But yet, uh, we look at the crop condition index. We look at uh, what the crop, the fruiting times and everything, pretty much on average. So... Uh, we've muddled through just like cotton always does the physical plant itself. It just muddles through the weather and just tends to make. Right. Yeah. You know,
2: I'm not sure who USDA uh queries when when they put together their numbers every week and you know, ten percent good, you know, fifteen percent excellent, blah blah blah. But I can just uh I was talking to somebody from North Carolina this week and they were saying and I don't know what percentage of, of North Carolina is excellent, but uh, um, you know they, the, the response was, I haven't found a, a field that looks excellent so far. I wish I could I could find one of those. So, and and I sit here and I look at the conditions, you know, th- that they're that they come out with in California, and they just I just think because it's California, well, it's got to be eighty percent excellent, you know. I don't know that anybody's actually gone out there and looked at the crop. Um so <laughs> sometimes i wonder about the the accuracy of those uh, of those estimates, but I guess that's all that's all what we've we've got to go on
4: yeah i mean they i i I wonder the same thing Gerald yesterday I actually called my nas office the Texas office just to double check my impressions of what of that process but who they talk to here basically are are agrilife um people county agent folks in the cotton growing areas who presumably um interact, you know, go out, they see what they see, they scout and they talk with growers and they do whatever. So you but it's a subjective assessment. It flat out is and it doesn't in Texas it doesn't particularly correlate well with the yield outcome. So I mean, it's, it's something that we all look at and chatter about and people write about it week by week, but uh it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with with the resulting yield.
0: Well, well let's talk about prices. I think so many of our listeners want to know what we think the market's going to do, and if there are any things they can do as far as marketing goes. OA, you've been—you were especially accurate yesterday with your projections on production. What's—what's what's your crystal ball tell you about where cotton can go?
1: Well, I would have to say uh, this is what I've been real excited about finding out what do I really think, and <laughs> now you put me on the spot. I. I was a little bit bearish the past couple of weeks. I think the market's paying a lot of attention to crop size, as it should, and as it always does this year. But I think we're going to get caught with the fact that our export sales have been so phenomenal, and these sales are not being—they're being made for multitude of reasons. But by and large, these big sales are being made now because the U.S. Has, has, has the most competitive cotton out there. More importantly, because mills need cotton for uh, immediate delivery, i.e., the third quarter, and mills need cotton for fourth quarter delivery, they're very poorly covered. So these sales are being made for the cotton that's going to be the first pick, first gin. Uh, and as I said, we're about one one million two hundred fifty thousand now, probably one million, not quite one and a half million bales oversold. Uh, So I think that is, is in fact, it's going to keep the market in an inverted position and will tend to move back up toward the 70s, in my opinion, and we'll just have to wait to see where we go from there with the the bias to the upside. But there's a lot of bloodletting going to be done as we look at these crop numbers every month uh, because that's the big bear that's hurtling over us. Well, how low do you well yeah, how, then, how low can we go away, oh, okay, how low do we go to the top side around seventy two cents? I'd probably say right now we get down to a low probably in the sixty-four, fourth sixty three cent level uh would come back and say, with irrespective of price per se, I think we've got to look for a unusually strong cash basis during the early harvest season. That may be a real key for some people uh to look for that strong basis in early harvest time. Okay.
0: Uh Kip, what are your thoughts?
3: Well I I I'm gonna kinda agree with oh just to a, a small degree with the front end, the very near term, I do think we have strong demand. I think we are in a situation where uh there's a bit of tightness in this transition period that's that's gonna be reflected uh maybe on the board but I, I agree with him it's it's mostly going to be in the uh in the basis my uh if the numbers that we're looking at are realized uh i'm seeing lows on this board still in the mid 50s i don't know how we can uh, avoid that simply because uh I, I i do hear about potential uh problems in some places overseas uh but it's more a typical year, I think, than atypical. So you're supposed to get these kind of supply concerns along the way, and we're in a weather market. We can't forget that. Uh, at the end of the day, we've got an awful lot of area devoted to cotton uh, on this planet, and I, I think it's going to yield a little bit better than some people are talking about. I think we're going to wind up with just too much cotton, and prices are going to go down. I do hope he's right about uh OA is right about this rally up here. If we could get this thing to seventy or seventy-two cents, because I've got some cotton needs to get sold, I didn't get done. So I hope you're right, OA. <laughs> what,
0: what, John? What, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I would average the
4: previous two speakers because I had seventy-two for a high, fifty-five for a low, and 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 agreeing with Kip that uh, you know. The potential is there for for the, that price weakness. to say take, take it below sixty cents, down to the mm-hmm. mid fifties. The potential certainly there if you know if we have a nineteen million bale crop here, and if India's uh, production is strong, and other other uh, increased acreage around the world uh, produces uh, you know, produces well enough. I think that downside price risk is still there. But here in the short run, uh, while we've got uncertainty in our production and with the for demand considerations uh that what he was talking about uh, the opportunity still there for a little more a little more strength.
0: Okay, Gerald.
2: Um, <clears throat> I was hoping we didn't get to this part of the program. Um <laughs> That's why we were talking so much about the other stuff, the uh I, I'm you know, I'm I'm a little bit friendlier than uh um than than I think Kip and, and John on the downside. Yeah, there there's a lot of cotton out there but uh um or it seems to be anyway. I mean you know UST eight's carrying these huge stock numbers for India and you go, really where are they? Um when you look at their internal prices, uh they seem to be locked up. Um you know there's the, you've got Chinese buyers now already looking for US cotton for first quarter two thousand and, and, and an 18 delivery um not just looking for it they're buying it um there's just a lot of good things going on and maybe it's just all u.s cotton you know maybe it'll be the u.s who stays up here and everybody else gets cheap in order to compete with us but there's there's definitely a clear preference for u.s cotton out there um the um so it's hard to get uh, too bared up, but uh, you know, 62, 63 cents on the downside. Yeah, okay. You know, these these speculators, these managed funds seem hell bent on getting short uh, for whatever reason. You know, the algorithms tell them to do that, to do it. So that's what they're going to do. And I'm not sure what will have to happen for their for their quote unquote their model to change. Um, the on, on the upside uh you know we're we're starting to get uh, pretty close to that time period where seasonally um you know we would typically see a little bit of a rally um generally from from that early august period into into september you you get a, a little bit of a of a rally in, in cotton Does it happen from here, or do we go down to, you know, sixty-four cents and then rally? You know, it remains to be seen. But uh, um, I think we'll we'll see a rally. I I just don't see a whole lot to take the 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 bottom side of this market out for right now, which is what sixty-five fifty to sixty-six cents. So we're just going to continue to languish in this frustratingly uh, um, narrow trading range of of, let's just call it sixty-seven. To sixty-six on the downside and sixty-eight to sixty-nine cents on the upside. Um, But uh, eventually, I think uh, I think we'll see seventy-two to seventy-three cents, and uh, at some point, yeah, we'll probably see sixty-two to to sixty-four cents on the
0: downside. Okay. Any other comments before we close?
3: Uh, I'd like to bring yes, something like to to bring up, and this is India. Mill use. We talk about production. This is the time we you're talking about supply and production. Uh, USDA increased uh, U.S. Uh, uh, excuse me, Indian mill use uh, from 242 to 24750 in the report yesterday. Um, there's some changes going on with their uh, tax structure there, and forever, cotton has had a. Uh, an advantage, a price advantage because of the tax structure in India. It appears under this new system that polyester will be on a, um, or man-made fiber, I'm saying polyester because it's primary, uh, primary uh, com- competition there, will be on an equal footing. In other words, there won't be a, uh, a tax disincentive to use polyester. I'm wondering if in fact uh, we, myself, USDA, and others might be thinking about the demand for cotton in India to be a little bit better than it might turn out to be, just because of the economics behind it. Um, I say that to bring up the question: have, have y'all, any of you guys, looked at that at all? Have you got any thoughts on that? Because I'm, I'm afraid we may be overestimating that just a little bit. Uh, and if their production comes out, they raise their production a million. We may wind up with India being a much bigger exporter than we're considering uh, as we go down the road. So I'm tossing that out to kind of get your opinions on this, what are your thoughts?
2: So why would the government favor the the, the domestic uh, 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 man-made fiber industry over their cotton farmers?
3: Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, it's a- They've changed their tax structure there, and previously there was an advantage to cotton uh, simply because of the way their, their taxation worked, and it looks like at this point, the, the information is that it looks like they're going to be on equal footing now, and there's no disadvantage as far as the taxes to be using the uh, the polyester. That I mean, if that's the case, and one, there have been several statements made that India is not following the world pattern. They're using about a 60-40 cotton to polyester, where the world is about 70-30 the other way, polyester to cotton. And they said, But well, we need to switch to get more for the export market and and have what uh, what the world wants." That was from the textile minister there. And so I don't think they're pulled out here punishing the farmer. I think they're trying to, at least the things that I've read, is they're just trying to get in touch with the the, the world. Uh, uh, usage patterns. Well, uh, I hope I'm, I hope that makes sense. I know what I'm trying to say, maybe I'm not getting to it. Does that make well, sense?
2: <clears throat> well, again, that's that would that would disfavor the the Indian farmer. Right. So, you're 60-40 cotton to poly, mm-hmm. and you're saying the rest of the world is 70-30 poly to cotton, and so now you want to export cotton into a world that's already over uh, only seventy thirty, so now you're going to s- send their export cotton into a world that's you know a-, a lot cheaper than it is in the domestic market.
3: Right. Well, so look, the, not- the
2: farmers, the farmers are going to take a beating if they have to go out there and start competing in the world market.
3: Yeah, I hear well, what you're saying. I, I think the exports will come up as a residual of the other policy that says, oh, we just got to do something with this cotton to the, uh, if, if we wind up in a scenario where they're not using it domestically. Now, I, I'm tossing this out. I understand what you're saying, and, and maybe that's the way I need to be thinking more about it.
1: Well, it's for sure that we have been talking about this new tax uh, system, and we're not sure how it's going to flesh out and talking to Indian. Uh, Cotton merchants, uh, from what I understand, they're still uncertain. Some tell me it's going to be great for cotton. Some tell me it's going to be bad for cotton. So it is quite interesting. Uh, It's uh, it's a tax scheme we're not familiar with. Well, we're familiar with it. It's just uh, we're not familiar with it as how how they are using
3: it. Right. Uh, Well, and that's a good point. Maybe I have this, uh, and I asked a question. Maybe I I just haven't done enough work on it to, to understand it well enough to to do that, My wish, I'm fearful that we might be overestimating the uh, cotton mill in India. That's that's the whole point I was making.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it, and it, it's a, if I may, Pat, I'm going to jump one more point. Uh, and, and we've talked about it extensively. But, but this time of year, what we're talking about is Mother Nature. Mother Nature, and everybody's agreed with this, Mother Nature controls this, this price where we go is where Mother Nature takes us. I, I can, I can give a, a come up with a price scenario down in the fifties. I just don't see that Mother Nature is going to give us a crop that size, that that large yet. I may be making a mountain out of a molehill. I see problems in India with the monsoon uh, that that I interpret totally different from USDA. USDA said they increased the Indian crop because of the favorable monsoon. The written information I have from cotton merchants in India suggests that uh, it's been a very difficult 10 to 12 days uh, in India, and as a consequence, they're beginning to get to become very concerned over a fair portion of the crop. So if Mother Nature allows that crop to develop and, and harvest well, then, yeah, we can talk in the 50s. If we get a 19.2, 193 Uh, our larger crop here in the United States, yes, we can come back and talk in terms of 50s or certainly without question, low 60s. Uh, If the uh, Chinese crop becomes larger than what was anticipated, as many people have said, then yes, uh, we can get to the low 50s. But the world's three largest crops do have some problem spots, so we have to watch those. We can still go any way up or down, for ten cents, most likely, depending on what, what Mother Nature is going to give us. So, I mean, it's a it's a it's a pig in a poke right now, trying to figure out what the price is going to be.
3: Now, Will said we're in a weather market. You're right. Well, let's uh,
1: let's wrap
0: up here for today. We want to remind everybody about next Friday, the twenty first. We'll be doing our New York Cotton Market Roundtable uh, at seven thirty Central Time. Hope you'll join us for that. You can dial in. If you've dialed in today and you want to do it again, just dial the same number. You can go to the agmarketnetwork.net website, watch the video live, or you can go, I believe, New York Stock Exchange will also be holding it. Our thanks to our sponsor, Bayer. Our thanks to our speakers today and OA for leading us. And our thanks to you, the listeners. That's it. Uh, we will. Uh, we'll see you later.
1: Thank you.